We are in a series called The Secrets of Family. Today, we're going to talk about the secrets of raising children, Christian children, if you will. I don't know about you, but when I think about this, I think about that old song. Maybe you can help me sing it. It goes like this. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Man, you all did that well. Good, yeah. It's, you can give yourselves a hand. That's okay. But it's true. Jesus, there's something about kids. Even people who don't like kids like them from a distance. It's, they do. They, they like to watch them on America's favorite, uh, America's, uh, what is it, funniest videos, where they, where they fall over trying to hit a pinata or, or, or hit the baseball back and it hits their dad in the throat. You know, they love that stuff. Even people who don't like kids love to watch kids from a distance. There was an old show, it was called, now this was, I'm going to date myself, and maybe some of you, but mostly myself. It was mid-70s, not quite the 80s, and it was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. So I got to looking at some things about what kids say, and wouldn't you know it, you can find anything on the interwebs. And I found a series of letters, notes if you will, that kids wrote to their ministers. And I thought, there's some gold here. <laughs> First one, dear pastor, please say in your sermon that Peter Peterson has been a good boy all week. P.S. I'm Peter Peterson. Sincerely, Pete, age nine. So, next one. Dear Pastor, are there any devils on earth? I think there may be one in my class at school. <laughs> Car- <laughs> Carla, age 10. Uh, <laughs> Dear Min- uh, to my minister, I know God loves everybody, but he never met my sister. Yours sincerely, Arnold, age 8. <laughs> This one I like. This is from Patty to, to her minister. I'm sorry I can't leave more money in the plate, but my father didn't give me a raise in my allowance. Could you have a sermon about a raise in my allowance? <laughs> Love, Patty. <laughs> Age 10. That was great. Um, Annette writes to her pastor, My mother is very religious, sir. She goes to play bingo at church every week, even if she has a cold. Yours truly, Annette. Age 9. Uh, <laughs> Stephen writes to his minister, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. Age eight. <laughs> I didn't say these were theologically correct letters. I just, kids say all kinds of stuff. Uh, a couple more. I think a lot more. <laughs> I probably shouldn't share this one with you because this will come back at me at some point. Dear, Dear Pastor, I think a lot more people would come to your church if you moved it closer to Disneyland. Laureen, age nine. Look, it's not a bad idea, but we are not six flags over Jesus, okay? It's not why we're here. Please say a prayer for our Little League team. We need God's help. Hold on, that's not even the good part. Or a new pitcher. Thank you, Alexander, age 10. He do one or the other. We, we need God's help or we need a new pitcher, Lord. My father says I should learn the Ten Commandments. 
but I don't think I want to because we have enough rules already in my house. <laughs> Joshua, age 10. <laughs> a couple more real quick. How does God know the good people from the bad people? Do you tell him or does he read about it in the newspaper like everyone else? <laughs> Sincerely, Marie, age 9. My father should be a minister because every day he gives us a sermon about something. <laughs> Kids say all kinds of stuff. I, I share all that with you because as we look at the secret of raising Christian kids, I want you to never underestimate the joy that kids bring to our lives, whether they are yours or someone else's. Um, the, throughout this whole month, we've looked at the secrets of family. We started out, we looked at the secrets of building a Christian home. Then we looked at the secrets of, building, of, of being a good spouse. We also looked last week at the secrets of leaving a good legacy behind. And this morning, I want to share with you some of the secrets to raising Christian children. Now, these aren't so much secrets as they are reminders to us adults about what kids really are. As I look through Scripture, looking for secrets of raising Christian kids, it... My, my perspective got changed a little bit as to how I thought this sermon was going to go. It happens sometimes. I think I have a good idea, and then God shows me something else. And so this is not so much secrets about raising Christian kids. It's really reminders of what the Scriptures tell us as adults, what children truly are. And this is not a sermon about how we should have... I, I need to make this caveat, I guess. This is, this is not a sermon about how we should have lots and lots of fat babies, okay, and raise up five or six children each. This is not one of those prosperity through children in your life sermons. It's not that, okay? Not everybody is supposed to have a whole lot of kids, and, and it doesn't always work out that way, but I've heard what some people have preached on that, and I'm not saying that. It is, however, one of those everyone in this room has at some point in your life or will soon be in contact with a child. It will happen. A youngling, if you will. And as Christians, we are called to treat those children like a gift from God. And that's where we're headed today. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that, that we can be here on a family Sunday, that we can worship with the children of our church, of our community. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at your word, we'll, we'll be able to glean something from it, that as adults, as, as Christian brothers and sisters, as, as aunts, uncles, grandparents, whatever character we play in the life of a child, I pray that we can be a reflection of your word that we hear today, that, that we'll respond to it accordingly. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to start right off. Children are a gracious gift from God. Um, I want to start this out with a, a story about two brothers. And these two brothers had a bit of a falling out. You may have heard of them in, in Scripture. Their names were Jacob and Esau. And I'm not here to focus on the reason they were mad at each other, all right? I want to focus on the way that their relationship was mended. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to read about these guys. You can read about them in Genesis, in about mid-Genesis up through like chapter 34 or something like that is where you'll find this story. But I want to set up the situation. Jacob, who had offended his brother Esau, was now on his way to meet up with his brother Esau. They'd been enemies for a while now. They were angry at each other. They, they just, things weren't right. Jacob wanted to make things right. They're headed into Esau's territory, if you will. Jacob sent ahead of him and his family gifts. He sent cattle and he sent uh, some other things that he sent to Esau ahead of time. And he didn't, want es he didn't know what Esau was going to do when they met up. So he, he sends these gifts. He's kind of trying to butter him up a little bit because nothing says, hey, I love you and I'm sorry, like a herd of cattle, I guess. Um, 
I don't know. But he, he, he could have sent chocolates or something. He sent cattle, sent some other stuff. And, and Jacob and his family come to this place in Genesis chapter 33, starting in verse 5, where they meet up with Uncle Esau, as I like to call him. And I want to read this to you. Genesis chapter 33, verse 5 starts. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him. Now this, I'm going to pause right there for a second. This doesn't really seem like Esau maybe got the, the, the card. <laughs> he's, he's not just sure. He's coming with 400 of his men. These weren't his bakers, okay? These were kind of some of the buff men of Esau's tribe, of his clan, if you will, of his servants. So he shows up, he's coming at his brother, who had wronged him years ago, and is now coming to see him, and he's coming at him. And, and so Jacob doesn't know if Esau is angry, or mad, or what he thought about the gift of cattle. or what. It's just, you don't know how somebody's going to accept that gift. And so here, here, picture this in your mind, Esau's coming, and 400 men with him. So he, Jacob, divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them, and he bowed to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. We are off to a good start for reconciliation here. He lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children, and he said, Who are these with you? So he, Jacob, said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. He said, This is my family. I've, I've got my blessing. I've got my family, and, and God has gracious, graciously given them to me. And then the maids came near with their children, and they bowed down. This, this bowing down is Jacob letting Esau know, I'm not here with any other motive except to mend fences. I want to be your brother again. I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. He is, he is saying, you are above me. And that's not a bad thing sometimes when we make an apology. Leah, likewise, verse 7, came near with her children and they bowed down. And afterwards, Joseph came near with Rachel and they bowed down. And he said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. And I love what Esau said, because Jacob, he didn't just send cows. You need to read it. He sent him a lot of stuff. And Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. Jacob said, no, please, if now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand, for I see your face as one sees the face of God, and you have received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, because God has dealt graciously, graciously with me, and because I have plenty. Thus he urged him, and he took it. I wish all of our families could have a restoration moment like that. I wish my own personal family would have had some kind of restoration moment like that. But it didn't happen, and that's, we move on. But why do we need to hear this story about Jacob and Esau? We need to hear this story, we need to read this story, because when we have family feuds, when we have disagreements in our families... The reality is it's usually the kids that get brought into the middle of it or get drugged through the middle of it. Right here is this example where Esau sees his brother's family. He's not even concerned with the gifts that came before him. But he sees his family and says, Hey, who, who are these lovely people? 
And he goes, this is my family that God graciously blessed me with. It was more like, I play this scene out in my mind where Jacob and Esau are hugging and they have this conversation and Esau says, who are these people? And, and <laughs> Jacob's like, hey, y'all come meet Uncle Esau. <laughs> come meet your cousins. We're, we're big family again. It's a time of celebration. It's not a time of, of that's your cousin on Uncle Esau's side of the family. We don't talk to him much anymore. They're not doing that. They're burying the hatchet. They're mending the fences. They're, they're laying it down it's, because that's not how it should be. We, we shouldn't be separating our families over silly things. All through the Bible, we see examples of children bringing joy. And I like to think that these two men were separated. They were angry with each other at that point of separation. But seeing the joy, and, and there's more to it than just, hey, Jacob showed up with his family. But at the root of it, Esau was moved. Uh, same thing, children for Abraham, they were a precious gift. In Joshua 24, 3, uh, the, the Lord says to Joshua, he's explaining to him what's going on. He says, then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and I led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Now what he's telling Joshua is this is what happens when you follow my will. Joshua's getting ready to take into some leadership, and God's telling him, look, I led Abraham all through the land. He followed me faithfully. I blessed him with many children. I multiplied his descendants through Isaac. Children are a gift from God. Whether they are yours by natural means, or, or you've adopted, or you're a grandparent, or you're an aunt and an uncle, or, or a close friend who's called uncle so-and-so, whatever it is, maybe you're just a babysitter in their life, maybe you're an after-school person, whatever it is, if there are children in your life, you have been blessed by the Lord. You're able to be an example to them. Maybe you have children in your life, and, and you lost them. Maybe that's where you are at this season in your life. You had children and, and you lost them. My grandmother, it broke my heart because I watched my grandmother bury all three of her children as adults. Uh, we often say that a parent shouldn't have to bury their kids no matter what age. But my grandmother, not only was she buried, <laughs> it's horrible, she buried three children and two husbands, and she kept on going. She, I used to tell her she was the Energizer Bunny because she lived to be like 89, and most of it was by herself. We live in a world, though, of life and death. If you've lost a child, no matter what their age was, I want to offer you some comfort. I want to offer you some encouragement from Job because Job lost everything, if you remember this. And, and what he says, though, about his children, they remained a sweet memory to him. In Job 29, verse 4, I'm actually going to start with verse 1. I'm going to end in verse 4 and 5, but we'll, we'll get there. It says, And Job again took up his discourse and said, Now this is, this is in the middle of all of his woes, of everything that's going on. He took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in months gone by, as in the days when God watched over me. He's looking back to before he started to be sifted by the devil, if you will. When his lamp, God's lamp, shone over my head, and by his light I walked through darkness... As I was in the prime of my days, when the friendship of God was over my tent. Verse 5, when the Almighty was yet with me and my children were around me. He starts, oh, that I were in months gone by. Look, Job, Job's remembering the loss of his children, but, but he's remembering the good times. He looked back and he remembered his past as glorious. He remembered the blessing 
of his children. He never claims in this, in this statement, he never says, oh, that I long for the days when my children were perfect examples of God's love and duty. And he, he doesn't do that. He doesn't claim that his kids are perfect. But he remembered them as the blessing in his life that they were. And I want to tell you, if you've lost a child, I pray that you will always remember the blessing that your children were to you. According to the psalmist, children are a great happiness to parents. Psalm 127, verses 4 through 5, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. And I also think about Hannah, the barren wife who prayed diligently for a child. Even her husband's other wife made fun of her, taunted her, because she, she wasn't able to have a child. A child was a wonderful blessing to Hannah. She prayed and prayed and, and tormented for a son and even promised that if he would be given to the that, that if she had a son, he would be given to the Lord. And the Lord answered her prayers in 1 Samuel 27. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. God answered her prayer. And, and this is the coolest thing about this whole story about Hannah. When the boy was of the right age, she brought him back and she gave him back to the Lord. The one thing she wanted more than anything else in the world, God gave her that. And as he was weaned, as he was of age, she brought him back and placed him at the temple, placed him under the authority of, of the, um, the leaders there. She gave this gift back to God. He became a prophet. He, he, God spoke to him. God spoke through him. God worked through him because she didn't change her mind on how he would be raised up. I think that'd be hard to do. Oh, I got this little baby. And then at 10, you're going to go back and go, okay, Lord, I promised here he is. He's yours. I'm, I'm sure she got to see him. I like to think that there were some, some opportunities of, of seeing him grow and, and those kinds of things. But... We kind of do the opposite of what Hannah did. We, when our kids are born, we're all excited. We, we bring them to church as a newborn. They're all wrapped up in the little blanket. They look like little glowworms with big heads. And they do. You know it's true. And, and we bring them in and, and we, either, we either bring them forward and we ask that, that the church would pray over them and pray for us as, as parents. Um, you know, we, we maybe, depending on what church you go to, you bring them forward to be sprinkled or have their first baptism or whatever. And, and we promise like Hannah at that moment, before the church, before the people, we say, we're going to raise them in the church. We're going to raise them according to God's word. And then we don't. We get lazy. We allow school and sports and life and homework and part-time jobs and poor weekend planning to become more important than bringing our kids into the to worship on a weekly basis. Listen, you get to keep your kids the whole week, all the time. Just bring them on Sundays. Worship with them. Bring them on Sunday nights. Bring them on Wednesdays. Hannah took her son back to the church and said, I'm giving my gift that, that filled my womb. I'm giving him back. And she let him do the Lord's work. God's not asking that. He's not telling you to take all your kids and, and leave them with perfect strangers for the rest of their life and say, hey, do everything that John and Andy say. Oh, I'm grateful for that. 
I don't know that we would be good for doing that. That's why we have elders to help us out. But family worship is part of raising up good Christian kids. I, I spoke on that last week. She took that blessing that God gave her and she physically gave him back to God because that's what she said she would do. Kids are a gift from God. What are you doing with the gift that God gave you? What have you done with the gift of children that God gave you? I hope and I pray that you're raising them up in the Lord. Here are a couple of things I want to throw out for you. Our children should be trained up by us. I said this last week. You know, and I want to talk about Timothy for a second because you may be thinking, well, that's all well and good. But I'm a single parent. I'm a single mom. I'm a single dad. I'm a single grandparent raising a grandchild. And you're thinking, well, that's all good. Get them to church and, and all that. And it's hard because I'm alone. You're absolutely right. It is hard. But if you're a single parent and you're a single parent of Huntsville Christian Church, I just want to remind you that you are a single parent in a church family of over 100 people. Okay? Tell us what you need. Look around you right now because we have grandparents and uncles and aunts that we can loan you. If, if that's a need that you have, we've got some, and I will loan them out to you. I haven't talked to them about it, but it's okay. They'll do it. You're not alone. You've got a family, as you may be looking around going, whoo, <laughs> dysfunctional. We got, we got Uncle John up there screaming at us. <laughs> family, whether they're yours naturally or not, they're ours. Tell us what you need. Listen, Timothy was a child under good training from his mom and his grandmother. In these verses I'm going to share with you, there is no mention of his dad here. There's no mention of, of Paul talking about how great Timothy's father was. He says, For I am, I am mindful of the sincere faith within which first dwelt in your grandmother. I'm, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. As I am sure that it is in you as well. Paul doesn't say, your dad was an amazing leader of your family. He doesn't say anything bad about his dad either. But right here, he's letting Timothy know, you've been raised well by these two women. And he goes on in Second uh, in Second Timothy 3, 14 and 15. You, however, continue, and again, he's encouraging Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which, in, which is in Christ Jesus. He's reminding him a second time, you were raised in the Word. Your mother, your grandmother, they raised you well. And now you can live as a reflection of Christ Jesus. They were single women raising a young man in a church a long, long time ago. So I don't want you to be discouraged if, that's where, if that fits in with you as a single parent or a single grandparent. You've got plenty of help. Jesus had this to say about children. It's one of my favorite things. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Some of the children were brought to him so that he might lay hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. There is so much innocence 
wrapped up in a child. All they wanted was to see Jesus. No, you kids get out of here. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Bring him in. Bring him in. It's one of the things I love about Family Sunday. Our children need to see us as adults take communion. They need to see you worship. They need to see you sing out. They need to see you pray earnestly as you give your offering. They need to see you as you take communion. As you ask Jesus maybe to forgive you for something you did the week before. Whatever. Our children need to see that in us. It's true. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow. Black and white. They are precious in his sight. And no matter where you look in the Bible, it is full of examples of children and family and how to raise them. And it's also full of examples in how not to raise your children. But I didn't want to preach on mistakes that were made. I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you an encouragement that children are a gift from the Lord. And I want to make sure that you don't miss the heart of this message. Children, no matter what role they play in your life, they're to be protected, loved, cared for. They're not to be manipulated for your personal gain. They're not to be mishandled physically or mentally or spiritually. I always say that the, the physical, spiritual, and mental well-being of kids is one of our highest priorities here at Huntsville Christian Church. Children are not pawns. They're, they're not to be used as leverage in divorce or custody battles. They are gifts from God, and they are gifts that deserve to be protected and cared for and raised up in a way that honors God. God has saw fit for us to be blessed with their presence in our lives. I believe that we will all stand before God in a moment of accountability. And we will bring all of this. We'll bring our lives. We'll bring our actions. The way we treated others. The way we treated our spouses. Our families. The way we treat the children that have come through our lives. And we'll bring all of this to the foot of His throne. And, and we'll present it to Him. My question is, what do you think you'll present to Him? Will it be holy and blameless because you built it on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Or will your life be beyond reproach, not because of what you have done, but because of Christ in you? Will you come before the Lord humble and low with a gift of your life, or will you come before Him with pride and arrogance on how you've lived your life? Will you come with Him showing that you've raised a family that He blessed you with and you raised it well? Writing this message, I kept, kept going back to Jesus as a little child. He came as a baby from Mary, humble and dependent on Mary and Joseph for basic things, clothes and food. Even our Messiah started his physical life helpless and dependent on someone else. But as he grew, as he matured, as he came to the cross where he would die for our sins, it became evident to me that we're the helpless ones. So helpless that the baby boy child of God was sent to be the final sacrifice for our sins. And I think, man, if the only good thing I do is raise my son to be a reflection of Christ, that's a good start. As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about, as you look at your family, as you look at your kids, as you look at the kids around us this morning,
Think about them. It's never too late to shift gears in how you're raising or how you've raised your kids. Children are a gift from God. How we treat them, how we raise them, will show God what we think of His gift. If you'd like for prayer as you continue on this journey of parenthood or grandparenthood, come on forward as we do our response time. Maybe you're not a parent, maybe you're not a grandparent, but maybe you care for other people's kids somehow as a babysitter or a teacher or a substitute teacher or a bus driver or a friend who keeps an eye on them while parents are working overtime. You'd like your church family to pray for you as you continue to be an example of Jesus to those kids. Our elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. This is how we build community. Whatever your response is that you need to make this morning, will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's word accordingly? It's, it's tough raising our children in the world that we're in. But you are not alone. And we can do this together. It's been great to worship with you all this morning and to celebrate how awesome our God is. But now it's time to go. I shared with you some thoughts from children earlier. and uh, The letters they gave to their pastors at the beginning of the message. And as you go this morning, I don't want you to be like little Ralph who wrote to his preacher and said, I really liked your sermon today, especially when it was finished. Don't go like that. <laughs> Okay, don't. <laughs> Instead, my prayer has been this week that, that when we leave here, we will go with a new outlook on the younglings that have been entrusted to our watch and our care as a community of believers. That no matter what your role is in their life, God has seen fit for, for, the, for you to be a part of their life. So go prepared to be a reflection of Jesus to all the little children and others. Will you sing this last song with us?